This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. You may remember where we started in Acts chapter 10. One of the reasons that Philip, that uh, the supernatural events happened, the vision and fall, Peter falling into a trance and all that stuff happened to get him to Cornelius' house is because at that point, 10 years after the church had been born, Jesus had been raised from the dead. 10 years later, the, the message, the gospel message still hadn't gone much to the Gentiles. So Peter takes Jews with him because he knows he's going to get called on the carpet. He's going to be rebuked. He's going to have to answer for why he went to a Gentile home and shared the message of Jesus. Well, the end result was everybody in that place got saved and got filled with the Holy Ghost. So we would certainly have to say that even after Jesus' death, the Gentiles were trusting in his name. So when it says that it might be fulfilled, it's talking about the beginning of the fulfillment that's culminated with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and the work that he did. With that in mind, let me go back to Matthew chapter 8 again. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled. That it might be fulfilled. Now remember Jesus' description in Isaiah 53, the messianic chapter. The description is what would be available to us after his death, not just what would be available to us while he was here on the earth. It talks about him shedding blood. It talks about him being wounded and the chastisement of our peace being upon him and, and so forth. It talks about that that would come about for the world through his death and his burial and his resurrection. So when it says in verse 17 that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, what is the Holy Ghost trying to get across to us? Well, first and foremost, is trying to identify that Jesus is doing the work of the Messiah, which makes him the Messiah. But secondly, and as far as our discussion this morning is concerned, maybe more importantly, it says that the thing that fulfilled what God said about Isaiah, through Isaiah, about Jesus, surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, and carried our pains. The thing that fulfills what God said the Messiah would do is the healing of all that were sick. That's the fulfillment part of the verse. Jesus healed all that were sick to fulfill what Isaiah said he would do. Jesus healed all that were sick. Now, if Jesus just healed all that were sick to show us that God's a good God, then there would be no need to attach it to Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 53. No need whatsoever to attach it to Isaiah's prophecy. The attachment to Isaiah's prophecy, which we clearly know comes about as a result of Jesus shedding his precious blood and presenting himself in the heavenly holy of holies for an eternal redemption for us. The fulfillment connection is that healing is for all that are sick. That's the connection. Turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 2. Jesus, uh, Peter quotes, writing to the church, Peter quotes Isaiah 53, 5, 2. Verse 24, 1 Peter 2, 24, it says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Peter writes this some 30 years after Jesus has risen from the dead, maybe 35. Somewhere in that range. 
So Peter is telling us by the Holy Ghost, instructed by the Holy Ghost, that healing for the physical body is still a part of what Jesus paid the price for. We know from Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, the healing, those for whom healing was fulfilled is everybody. He healed all that were sick. He healed all that were sick to fulfill, to fulfill Isaiah's prophecy. So when Peter says that by Jesus' stripes you were healed, he's saying that the ones that were healed is everybody that was sick. Healing belongs to everybody. Healing belongs to everybody. Now these are the, the underpinnings, the foundations for us to be able to receive anything and everything God did through Jesus. But again, the devil will always try to challenge God's word. He'll always contradict God's word. He'll always try to get us off track, believing in anything other than the truth of the word. Psalm 91 verse 14. There have been certain things along the way that the Lord has spoken to my heart. And, and I got to tell you, in several cases, they were scriptures that I already knew. They were scriptures that I had committed to memory and made a part of my confession. Excuse me. And in other cases, there were things that the Lord brought, that scriptures I had read before, but, uh, but really hadn't committed them to memory, wasn't using them, and, and so forth. But either way, I mean, whether it's a scripture that I knew or a scripture that I didn't really know or didn't pay attention to, in, in both cases, both categories, there's a huge difference, a huge difference between me confessing the word and God speaking his word back to me. But from the point in time that he said, because you've set your love on me, he didn't even finish the verse. That's as far as he said, because you've set your love on me. Well, I knew what the rest of the verses were. And I took it not to mean just for this one verse, verse 14. I took it to mean for all these verses. Which read, because he set his love upon me, I will deliver him. Because he's known my name, I'll set him on high. When I call unto him, he'll answer me. He'll be with me in trouble. He'll deliver me and he'll honor me. That word deliver, the second time the word deliver is used, it means rescue. The word honor means way down with blessings. It finishes up in verse 16, saying, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Those are mine. You can use them, but they're mine. Another one was in Psalm 103. Not anything new, not anything you haven't heard before. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Over and over and over again, the Bible connects sin and sickness. Over and over and over again. I don't understand where people are coming from that believe that God won't heal. Or, well, I don't know if anybody believes that. People believe he can heal. Anything's possible with him. But you never know if he will. I don't know how people come up with that. There are so many scriptures 
that connects sin and sickness together concerning the benefits of God, the benefits of redemption, the work of Jesus, and so forth. There are so many scriptures that you have to overlook or you have to come to the conclusion that God really didn't mean what he said. Well, if he didn't mean what he said about sickness and disease, how do you know he meant what he said about sin? How do you know he meant what he said about your life and what you can have? How do you know? The Bible's either all true or it's all a lie. It can't be part truth. That's impossible. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Here's the part that he whispered to me. Who redeems thy life from destruction. Well, I know the rest of the verse. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy. I got a promise from God to redeem my life from destruction. He goes on to say, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew 8, 17 tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Here's one that he told me that I wasn't even aware of. Now, I'll have to clarify that because this is a verse. It's Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. This is a verse that Brother Hagin used to quote a lot. And so I knew that Isaiah 10, 27 says, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Brother Hagin used to quote that over and over and over again. He had identified where it was sometimes. Other times he wouldn't. But I knew that part was there. But I didn't know. I can't say that I've never read but I wasn't familiar with the first half of the verse. I just wasn't. I'd never really considered what it was talking about. It was never a part of what Brother Hagin was using the last half of the verse to teach on or, or whatever, whatever context that I heard it from him. But just as I was waking up, I had two dreams. They were just momentary dreams. But in this dream, these two dreams, the Lord said something to me. And I, because I wasn't familiar with this verse, it, uh, it set me on a search. And these were the two dreams that I had. In those two dreams, identical dreams, except for what was said. In those two dreams, I was standing there with God. I didn't see him, but I was conscious in the dream that I was in his presence. And he said this, the first dream, he said this, I will lift the burden from your shoulder. 
And that ended. And then there's another dream. They were two separate things. It wasn't like it was one dream where he was saying something twice. It was two separate dreams. I don't know how I can explain that because they were so quick. But it's the best I know to do. In the second dream, he said, I'll take the yoke off your neck. Well, because they were two dreams, I didn't know if they were two separate verses. I knew the answer was in the word. And so I started searching and it didn't take me long, but here I come to Isaiah 10, 27. And I saw the last part of the verse and that made it even more special to me because it was what I'd heard Brother Hagin say and preach and teach on so many times. Isaiah 10, 27, it says, and it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now, I'm not sure I know what all that means. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Does that mean there's going to come a point in time where the power of God is going to come on me and the last trace, the final trace of the final symptom will disappear? I don't know. Does it mean the anointing that we have as believers or the anointing that comes, that's uh, resident upon the word when we stand on it? I don't know. I'm good either way. End result is what matters to me. Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither, but waters the earth and makes it to bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. Now he uses rain as an example. Rain comes from heaven, goes to the earth, accomplishes what it's supposed to do to the earth, and returns as it evaporates as water vapor to be used again, but it served its purpose. That's the point that he's trying to make here. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Void of what? Void of power or void of results. But it shall accomplish that which I please. Just like rain comes to the earth and accomplishes what rain is supposed to do in watering the ground and so forth. So the word worked the same way. It will accomplish that which I please and it will prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Here's God saying it's impossible for the word not to work for those who will accept it. It's impossible for healing scriptures not to bring healing. It's impossible for financial and, uh, and material blessing scriptures not to produce material blessing. It's impossible. Now certainly he's not talking about the actions or the faith or the unbelief of the individual. He's talking about the power in his word. The same potential is available for everybody each one of us. And it will always work if you'll take it. That's what he's saying. It will always work. Another scripture he gave me is in Nahum chapter 1 verse 9. If you start in the first uh, couple of verses of the chapter, you'll find out that the context is that God is saying that he will exact revenge upon his enemies. He will pour out his fury upon those who have attacked his people. That's what the whole chapter one of Nahum is about. It's about God saying, here's what I will do. Here's how I will deliver my people. Here's the power and the fury and the vengeance and whatever word you want to use. Many of those words are in these first eight verses. 
Here's what God will do against his enemies. Verse 9, therefore, is a, um, it's a question from God to his people. He said, what, what do you imagine against the Lord? Now, if you look at other translations of this, they're all over the board. They're all over the place. They're talking about people plotting against God and, and stuff like that. But this word imagine just means fabricate a thought. Fabricate a, th- a thought. Now, the context of God pouring out his wrath upon his enemies and then saying, why are you fabricating thoughts against me? He's simply saying this. Why do you question whether I'll do what I said I'd do or not? That's what imagining against the Lord means here in Nahum chapter 1 verse 9. Why are you questioning whether or not I will do what I said? Well, what did he say he'd do? He said he would destroy his enemies. He said he'd bring an utter end to them and so forth. And he's asking his people, why do you think I won't do that? Why do you fabricate thoughts against the Lord? Why do you think God won't do what he's saying he'll do? Here's what he's going to do. He will make an utter end. Verse 8 even said that. He says it again. He will make an utter end. Affliction shall not rise up the second time. Affliction shall not rise up again the second time. I began confessing early on, not just for healing from this thing, even before it was diagnosed, even before the doctors put a name on it. So I began confessing early on that this thing will go and not depart. I didn't know about this scripture. I found out about this scripture through Dodie Osteen's book, Healed of Cancer. But man, I love this scripture. Not only gone, but gone to never return. I know a lot of times when people get healed of something that's very serious, I know that in many cases they're afraid that it's going to come back. And the devil uses fear against them to try to tell them that it's going to come back. I'll put this back on you. You may have gotten healed for a bit. Enjoy your testimony, but here it comes. Well, not according to that. Not according to the word of God. This... uh, this week, the thing that got me over here, I guess, is that I was talking to the Lord. Well, I guess I'm going to have to back up and, and make uh, set the thing up. I, I see what time it is. I'll be quick. I had said earlier in last year, maybe about this time last year, I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly, But I said that 2017 would be the year that I had my healing. And I made a a point of saying, notice how I said that. I didn't say receive my healing. I received my healing a long time ago. But the Bible says in Mark 11, 24, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So in God's understanding, there's a difference between receiving and having. Receiving you do by faith. Having is when it materializes in the physical realm. So I said sometime last year, early in the year, that 2017 would be the year that I had my healing. Not received it, but had my healing. Well, the first of 2018 came along. And I can show you a lot of improvements. I can show you a lot of gains. And we talked about some of that stuff last Sunday night too. I can show you a lot of changes that had been made, a lot of things that the devil used to have a hold on me that now he doesn't 
regarding this situation, physical situation. But there's no way you can dress it up except the way that it is, and that is in 2017, I did not have my healing. Well, that made me mad. You can't imagine how mad it made me. The whole week between Christmas and New Year's, I'm counting down the days, and I'm doing it joyfully because I know what I said. 2018 came around. I woke up the morning of 2018, and the same symptoms were present. And there's not much that makes me mad anymore. I've got a hold on my anger. I don't lose my temper. But man, that was one thing that made me mad. I'm not mad at God because he's not the one controlling it. So I guess I really didn't know how to focus my anger, where to direct my anger. I was certainly mad at the devil because I know what his part in this is. But I was pretty upset with myself too thinking that there was something that I'd missed, something that I wasn't doing or whatever. I just didn't have an answer. Well, the Lord gave me something to help me through that. When I finally calmed down and got to a place where I could hear, he reminded me of a couple of situations where I was believing for finances by a certain time, and that time came and went. But then the finances came in a short time after that. And just like I told the group last Sunday night, I found that in both cases, when I brought the money to them, the money that I owed, they took the money. Even though I'd missed their deadline, even though it was past the time that was identified as when it was due, they took the money and were glad to have it. Didn't even say anything about missing the deadline. They were just glad to have it. Well, in that case, in that situation, in both of those cases, the Lord reminded me and he said, it was your faith that worked, didn't it? Well, yeah, I wouldn't have had the money at all. He said, so then what difference did the deadline make? Well, in that context, none. But I drew back to him and said, but Lord, I said it. I said it. And you said we'd have what we said. So I told the Lord, I said, you know, I said, this has to come to an end sometime. I can't just stand in faith forever. This thing has to come to an end. That's all I said. And the next morning, the very next morning, just as I opened my eyes, the Lord gave me another scripture. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. Chapter 11 is about the hall of fame of heroes, heroes of faith, some of which received what they were believing for, like Abraham, and the child of promise. <clears throat> Others that died without receiving what they had their faith on, the things that God had told them about because they were related to Jesus coming to the earth and not just in their individual lives. But here's what I woke up with. Here's the last thing that I've gotten from the Lord and it came a couple of days ago. Verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you look that up in other scriptures, in other translations, I mean, it's a, it uses a lot of different words, the beginning and the end. But this word finish, it's the only time it's used in the, in the New Testament, only time this Greek word is used. And it means completer. 
It means completer. But if you dig a little deeper into the word, it means God bringing an end to things in his own fashion. Doesn't mean in his own time, but in his own fashion. Well, how does God do things? Well, the Bible says God does all things well. And the word well that's used in the scripture means with excellence. When God brings things to an end, he does it in such a way that you see that it was him. Not man's way of doing things, but God's way of doing things. And the word, part of the definition of the word, the root word that's used for this, means to make glorious. Well, everything God does is glorious, isn't it? So this word here, where it says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. One meaning, maybe not even the, the primary meaning, but one meaning is that Jesus puts the glory in glorious. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, here's what I believe the Lord was telling me. I didn't get any explanations about it, but here's what I've gleaned from it. Just as Jesus has been the author of my faith, the word of God's been the foundation of everything I believe for, and I assume the same thing's true for you. Just as the word of God is the foundation for faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Just as the word of God is the foundation for your beginning of faith, I wasn't really looking for or confessing for Jesus to be the end of my faith. And I made that adjustment. I've been singing songs all week long about Jesus being the author and the finisher of my faith. And it's added something to me that I've never had before. It's added something to me. But folks, the good news for me is that this thing has come to an end. It has come to an end. It has come to an end. And I don't know specifics but I know this I know the fight has been a public fight it's been something I hadn't been able to hide and dear Lord I've tried I've tried to think of every way I could stand <laughs> put my hand in my pocket whatever and I can't hide it but then in the end of it it's going to need to be public too shouldn't it I'm not trying to dictate to God how it's going to work. But I know like I've never known before because of what the Lord whispered to my heart. That Jesus is not just the author of my faith. He's not just the one I'm believing in. He's the end of my faith. He's the finisher of my faith. He's the one that will see it come to pass. Because healing belongs to us. It belongs to you just as much as it belongs to me, and it belongs to every person on the earth. And there's nothing that's too hard for God. There is nothing that's too hard for God. The Bible says that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we were healed. Healing is already yours. Take hold of it by faith in the name of Jesus today. Thanks for watching. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
if you don't know what God's will is on a subject, then there's no way you can pray in faith about it. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.